Bill Marlin, welcome to Epiphany Church. And I'm going to invite my brother, Carlos, to come and read our text for today. I'm also going to invite him to just pray for me. I woke up exhausted. It's been a crazy weekend of, of um, folks, you know, I'll get into it in the sermon, but, but like, you know, as a pastor, you get a front row seat in what God is doing, but also what the devil's doing. And I've literally gotten like texts like, I don't want to live another day, like multiple texts like that. And I'm just, I'm drained. I need the Lord. And so Carlos is going to pray for me because if he doesn't, I might ramble on for like three hours. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Hello, Joshua 4, after the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, he spoke to Joshua, choose 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone unto his shoulder, one for each of the Israelites' tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean to you? You should tell them, the water of the Jordan was cut off in the front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites did just as Joshua had commanded them. The twelve men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelites' tribes. Just as the Lord had told Joshua, they carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan, where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. The stones are still there today. The priests carrying the Ark continued standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Jordan had commanded Joshua to tell the people, in keeping with all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people hurried across, and after everyone had finished crossing, the priests with the Ark of the Lord crossed in the sight of the people. The Reubenites, Gatites, and half the tribe of Manasseh went into battle formation in front of the Israelites. As Moses had instructed them, about 40,000 equipped for war crossed to the plains of Jericho in the Lord's presence. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him throughout his life as they had revered Moses. The Lord told Joshua, command the priests who carry the ark of the testimony to come upon or to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up from the Jordan. When the priests carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, came up from the middle of the Jordan, and their feet stepped out on solid ground. The water of the Jordan resumed its course, flowing over all the banks as before. The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and camped at Gilgal, on the eastern limits of Jericho. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, 
what is the meaning of these stones, you should tell them, your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. Amen. Dear Lord, I just thank you for Pastor Joe. God, I just thank you for his heart for you, his heart for this church, his heart for the people in it, God. And um, I just pray that you just refresh him, Lord. Just give him strength, Father God. Just help him, Lord, to be your hands and feet even more, Lord. Help him, God, to just grasp a hold of everything you, you want him to see, every, every person you want him to touch, every heart you want him to love on. God, and we just pray in his weaknesses, God, that you make them strengths, yep. God. And, and, and his shortcomings, you, you, you just give him grace and mercy, Lord, and you just help him, Father God, to just continue to do the work that he does for you, Lord, to bring you glory, God. God, you honor your word above your name, Lord, and I just pray, God, that you just continue to bless him. You continue to just help him in the areas that he needs help. Bring the laborers, God, that he needs. Bring, bring all the people that can continue to support him, his Aaron and his, um, I forget the other guy's name, but just people to uphold his hand, his left and the right, when he gets tired and weary, Lord. And just help us grow together as a body in here, Lord to be there for him, to be an ear to him, to be a hand to him, to be feet for him, Lord. And I just thank you for him, Lord, and his heart and the blessing that he's been to me and just countless people in here, Lord. Just thank you for him, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Amen. So we've been in a series, right, called Kingdom in the Chaos, and it had been a quite a while since we preached Exodus, maybe a couple years, and um, like a year and a half. So we're like, we're going to go back to the Old Testament, and we're going to preach three books in a row, because we don't know anything about moderation, right? <laughs> so we're going to sit in Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. We're just going to preach through this huge chunk of God's people's history, a crazy time. We, we got all the way to the point, if you were hanging around with us a couple years ago, we got all the way to the point where Moses died, right? Where he climbed up Mount Nebo, where he saw the promised land, but he wasn't able to enter into it. And now we're just going to continue the story. And the reason that it's called kingdom in the chaos is this. God is bringing his order into a chaotic situation. He's still doing that. Our lives are chaos, sometimes our money, sometimes our family, and certainly in our inside, in our hearts, there is chaos, even if everything is going well on the outside. There is chaos, there is parts of our soul that we don't want God to shine in, amen? You should say amen, that's true. <laughs> there are parts of your life that you wish that God was not omniscient. You wish that God couldn't see those thoughts. You wish that God couldn't hear what you've said, but he does. And so we're going to continue this story. 
And last week, we were in Joshua chapter 3, and God's people crossed the Jordan, amen? And we're still kind of in the details of God's people crossing the Jordan. But we missed something really important last week that I really want to sit on for a minute. In the beginning of chapter 3, we see that God's people are sitting at the bank of the Jordan River, and it's flooded because it's flood season, Now, some of you might know this, but the Jordan River, for a huge part of the year, is like a creek that you can walk across. But then when it's flood season, it can be like a two-mile-wide river. Now, don't miss this. God's people wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years to get to the Jordan River and cross over into the land that God had promised them. That was a trip that could have taken three weeks. They could have walked straight from Egypt to Israel. It's far, but it ain't that far. But it was the Spirit of God that allowed them to be sustained, but it was also the Spirit of God that brought them into the wilderness where an entire generation that had known the slavery life of Egypt ended up knowing the wilderness life of the Sinai Peninsula. God brought them to the river in flood season. In, in 11 days, our church will join Christians, right, all over the world where we begin to fast for 40 days, right? We fast from Ash Wednesday. We put the sign of the ashes on us. Why? Because biblically that has meant that we repent, that we came from ashes and dust and we're going to return to the ground, And we remember that it's only through faith in Jesus that we live. We're going to join with the church through the centuries, fasting. And we're going to join with Jesus. Jesus was taken away to the wilderness for how many days? For 40 days. And Jesus, in doing that, is identifying with God's people who spent a whole generation, 40 whole years, just wandering around in the wilderness. In the Bible, 40 is a significant number. It's a season. It's a biblical generation. I think about this because I'm going to be 42 in a couple months. It's a completely different season. It's a completely different chapter, right? There are just some things that, like, those things are not happening anymore, (laughs) right? But there's also new opportunities that would have never happened when I'm 15, right? (laughs) There are doors that just wouldn't have opened up for me (laughs) when I was 20. I'm in a different season. And it's what happened is, is that God actually took these guys that hadn't known um, this life, right, who, who, who don't remember Egypt. He allowed a time to span where the 
warriors, the people who were going to actually be used by God to take the promised land, all those people were born in the wilderness. The people who are actually going to march around Jericho feels like, like, how are we not there yet? We'll get there. Right? It feels like the people who are going to take all these cities for the glory of God and settle the land, none of them were alive in slavery in Egypt. God was starting to do something new. And, and this is what I, I want you to get. I know some of us feel like this. It's like, it's like, why does God, this is how we feel. We don't appreciate waiting. <laughs> Come on. We don't appreciate waiting. <laughs> like, God, why didn't you just let the people walk like three weeks straight to the Jordan? <laughs> like, what's all the fuss about? Like, why do we have to wait? And why do you have to wait? And you have to wait to the time of year when instead of a creek, there's this rushing, flooded out water. <laughs> God will put you at the edge of the water during flood season. It's frustrating, but it's the way that we need to trust in him. If we were to do it on our own, we would go and we are like figuring out like, okay, I'll go when it's easiest, right? I'll go with when it's easiest, but we all relate to this. God wants us to cross in flood season. He wants to show off. He wants us to be dependent on him. He wants us to trust in him to the point where we actually have to put our foot in the water before it starts drying up. It wasn't like they were just watching the thing part and then they got in the water. But Joshua was like, no, you gotta, you gotta step in the water while it's still wet. And this is what faith is for all of us. Before you pray for somebody, before you share something that you feel like God maybe spoke to you and you want to share that word to them, maybe you had a dream, maybe you had something that you can't just keep in your chest, you got to share it. You have to take a risk. You have to put your feet in the wet water before it dries up, before God splits the Jordan and before you can walk through. How much stuff have we missed out of fear and disobedience. Like how much of God's blessing have we missed? You know, we are like the dude who like, you know, right after smoking a whole bunch of weed has to scorch their appetite with anything that's in the house, whether it's good or bad. And we go after stuff and we f try to fill our soul just like that, don't we? Like, we spiritually have the munchies, and we're just like, I have to devour whatever's in the house. And we want the shortest path to comfort, the shortest path to get out of the situation we're in, the shortest path. And God is saying, no, it's not going to be three weeks. It's going to be 40 years. It's not going to be when the river is a creek. It's going to be when it's a two-mile-wide rushing river, and I have to miraculously split it for you to walk through. How much stuff... Have we missed out on because we're scorching that, those hunger pains and you know what I mean? Now we have slept with people we shouldn't have slept with. 
We have done things we shouldn't have done, said things we shouldn't have said, fought people we should have just walked away, right? But we had to say something, then it went from saying something to throwing hands. And God is saying, look, there's a blessing in waiting. You might have been able to physically walk from Egypt into Israel in three weeks, but you wouldn't have been in the promised land, and God's presence wouldn't have been with you. And how many of us have these lives where we're just walking through life, and we're like, I'll do things the way I want to do them in my timetable, and God ain't blessing that. He brings us to the river at flood season. You know, and we, 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 we see then what happens as we turn over to chapter 4, right? We see, we see that God, he, he instructs Joshua to get these 12 guys. And what do they do? What do they do? Literally, what do they do? I'm asking you. Yeah, they went and they grabbed these boulders, right? And we know that these weren't like 12 pebbles, Right? I went to a college called Philadelphia Biblical University for my undergrad. Before that was Philadelphia College of Bible. Before that was the Pennsylvania Bible Institute. So things changed names. No big deal. Then they changed their name to Cairn University. Do you know what a Cairn is? I didn't know what a Cairn is. So I get a new degree. It says Cairn University. I'm like, what is that? So Cairn is... You know, when you stack a bunch of rocks together, like, you know, those river rocks, and you just leave a little cairn. So now you can use that if you're ever at quiz night out at the restaurant. That's what a cairn is. But this is not what these men were doing. They were grabbing boulders from the bottom of the sea, and they were bringing it up. And the point was to remember that God drug us out of slavery. He brought us out of the wilderness, and he brought us into the promised land. It was all God. It wasn't on our timeline, but we followed him, and he blessed us, right? I want you to remember, we got some boulders. We got some boulders. I've, I've shared this before. Some of you don't remember. Some of you weren't around. One of the first people that we ever baptized in this church was a woman who lived at Crescent Homes in the mobile home park. And she couldn't leave the mobile home park because she had an ankle bracelet. And, you know, I know that she's in heaven now. I know she would be totally fine with me sharing this story. Right? So we would go to her house and knock on the door, and I would just joke with her and mess with her and be like, you need to come to Bible study. She's like, Bible study? Like, that's not, no, like, that's not what I'm about. Like, well, you can't even go to ShopRite. You got that ankle bracelet. This is getting out of the house. It's only like a couple hundred feet from your house. And she started coming, and we walked with her through family tragedies. We walked with her through ups and downs of life. And I, I will never forget when we were, after she, we baptized her, after she got saved, I remember we went to pack backpacks full of school supplies in Doylestown. So we are at this church in Doylestown. If anybody's went with us ever before, this church, the lobby in front 
of the Sunday school rooms is about as big as this room, <laughs> right? There are multiple coffee shops, <laughs> right? It's a, it's a big church, and it's a very wealthy church. If you know anything about Bucks County and Doylestown, and uh, I just remember her, and she was at that point had limping around with a cane, and she would just grab people like in suits and just be like, I got saved. <laughs> Jesus saved me. And they're like, okay, lady. <laughs> right? But we have, we have boulders that have come up from the river. We baptize guys like Matt and Edward and Ethel. Who remembers Ethel? Amen. And we just baptized a whole, we baptized like seven people last month or in December. And God has worked and brought people from death to life in the last five years at this church. And we have a lot to thank him for. I mean, there are people. And so like I told you that, that I got messages that were like, hey, I don't want to live another day of my life. And that's what you sign up for, right? To just get bombarded with need when you're in ministry. But I also get a whole bunch of Hugs and talks and texts and phone calls where people have looked me in the eye and they said, I would be dead if it wasn't for this church. I would be dead if it wasn't for the gospel. I would be dead if it wasn't for Jesus. There are boulders that we can pull out from the bottom of the river and we need to remember what God has done among us. Amen? But you could say, you know, some of these people, they struggle again. Some pass away. Sometimes they ghost. And you were right. And I shared this with you last week. The New Testament says that we are pilgrims still. We are strangers in a strange land. We are still on the other side of the Jordan River. We are not yet in the promised land. We voted last week to take responsibility of this building, right? To, to be able to begin to renovate it, to meet different times, like open it up for the community, for the glory of God. That was a big deal, but I need you to know that this building is just a glorified tent. We are still nomads. This ain't our home. This building ain't our identity, right? Our identity right now is as sojourners, as people passing through the wilderness. And in the New Testament, we learn that actually even our very bodies are this. So in 2 Corinthians 5, I believe we have a text. It says, For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling, since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that Mortality may be swallowed up by life. Somebody say life. Do you hear that? I know a lot of folks here 
are currently grieving someone that has been lost. Mortality will be swallowed up by life. Death is the drop in the bucket. The bucket is the ocean. Life overcomes. Life is forever. Now the one, I'm sorry, in verse four, verse five. Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident and know that while we are at home with the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. We see this body, right, as a tent. And as you get older, some of the saints in this room can testify that the tent poles start to break. You ever, you ever try to put together a tent, put together a tent in the rain? You know, the kind that the telescoping ones? And, um, you know, this is how you know if you're a mature person emotionally. Go camping with, like, your kids, right? <laughs> and if you don't, like, just throw the tent to the ground into the creek and start cursing, not that I've ever done anything like that. <laughs> You're a very emotionally mature person. But listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. We're intense. This is not the end all be all. God will give you some scotch tape and fix up some stuff and we've seen him do it. Right? We've seen him heal bodies, heal limbs, heal people's memory. We've seen God just work in powerful ways. And he is the God who has a whole supply of tent replacements. But at the end of the day, this is a tent and not a house. And we are looking forward to the house which was built by God himself that we are longing for. We're looking forward to the day when we cross the Jordan River, when we get to the promised land, when we can say with Paul, it's better to be absent from the body and present with God. Um, I, I shared in the beginning of the year this list of books to read with your kids. And I said, you know what, if your kids are older, or if for any reason, you know what I mean, like you're not in the spot to read books with your kids, that's okay. Take this list, and if you haven't read it yourself, read these books. These are like Christianity 101. You'll be better for it if you read them. And one of those books is The Pilgrim's Progress. Another one is The Catechism. And near the end of The Pilgrim's Progress, um, The Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. It's really on the nose, like it's about this guy named Christian who lives in the city of destruction. And then a guy named Evangelist comes and tells him the good news. And then he meets all these characters on the path. He, he meets people like Despondent. He meets people like Talks all the time. He meets false Christian, like he meets all these different folks. 
And it comes to the end of the story through many trials, through many storms, and he's at the river of death. And he's there with his friend, Hopeful. But Christian, the main character, is not feeling hopeful as he stands on the banks of death. And this is a quote from that. I think I have a slide for it. Then pilgrims, the pilgrims then, especially Christian, began to despond in their minds and looked this way and that. But no one could be found by them by which they might escape the river. Then they asked the men if the waters were all of a depth. And they said no. Yet they could not help them in that case. For they said, you shall find it deeper or shallower as you believe in the king of this place. So they're standing at the river of death, and on the other side of the river are these two witnesses and the celestial city, heaven. And the, they're, they're walking through the river, and they're sinking down. And Christian is like, how deep does this thing go? They said it goes as deep as you believe in the king of this place. How much pain and suffering do we put on ourselves because we look to ourselves instead of to God? When you are drawing your final breaths, I want you to know the gospel is big enough for you to be assured that you will go through that river and you will get on the other side of the bank and the city will be there. I love the, the um, Indiana Jones movies, and this, this, I love this scene in Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, where, you know, they're, they're, they're Indy is, and if you don't know it, I'm sorry, you know, go watch the movies, they're old. But Indy is in its room, and the room is collapsing in on itself, and spikes are coming up the walls, and there's this girl with them that gets trapped in the other room, and what she has to do is she has to stick her hand through this hole and turn a lever to stop the room from killing them, right? And she's screaming, right? And I don't know what happened, but up until some point in the 90s, movies, they stopped making movies where women just scream all the time. I'm not sure what, what happened there because in my house, the women still scream if there's a rat or something like that. But so she has to put her hand through this hole and there's like scorpions and tarantulas and everything like that. And she's like screaming at the top of her lungs and she finds the lever and she turns it and the, the room starts to open up and they're saved. I just want you to know that there is a key of faith that will get you through death itself. And there might be some scary place, some scary door that you got to walk through and you got to open. And there may be scorpions and demons and all kinds of doubts and all kinds of struggles. But you can get through it. Have courage. Amen. 
We're standing on the Jordan, but on the other side is the promised land where the tents are removed and we can build houses, where we don't have any sickness, where God himself will wipe away the tears off our face and everything that's ever been wrong with us, all the doubts and struggles will be unimaginably worth it because we will see God face to face. And we will be embraced by his love. We will be completely selfless. You got problems in your marriage? You won't in heaven. You got problems with your kids? You won't in heaven. You got problems with your money? You won't in heaven. You got problems with your health? That's all done. It's all done. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is what we are waiting for. This is the path that God has put us on. And, 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 and here's the problem is that we're trying to shortcut and trying to do everything the illicit way to get there now. But God has a plan for you to just walk in his provision in the wilderness. And so what happens is in chapter 5, I won't read it just for the sake of time, but they get to the land. And then what do they immediately do? Remember all the young guys that um, are going to take these cities we're going to read about? None of them were alive in Egypt. They, 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 the first thing they do is Joshua is told by God to get a sharp stone, get sharp stones and circumcise all the guys. There's a new generation, and they needed their own crossing. They needed their own experience of victory. They needed to see God in their own way, right? And, you know, in the, in the, in the Bible, this idea of circumcision, right, is to, it's like where you are cut at the most, you know, private place imaginable, made weak. There's a symbol of purity to be devoted to God. And now that Jesus has come, right, what do we do as the initiation into the family? It's called baptism. Somebody say baptism. We've had the joy and privilege of seeing people get baptized at this church. And there are more to come this year. In Jesus' name, amen? And so baptism is now this sign. But here's the thing. You know, when you are under the old covenant, the, the, the covenant had a price. You know, and the other thing they did after circumcision is they did the Passover. They immediately did the Passover. They got the lambs, they, they barbecued them, but they took the blood and they, you know, put it on their tent posts and they, 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 they observed the Passover. That's like, remember when the angel of death passed over God's people and spared their firstborn sons. But with Jesus... There's still blood. But it's not the blood of your lamb. And it's not the blood of circumcision. Jesus is the lamb. It's not a bloodless covenant. And instead of you being devoted in that way, through an act of sacrifice, God himself sacrifices himself for you. Not your blood, but the blood of Jesus. 
And so we're going to do this today. We're going to celebrate in holy communion this meal. And the first time that communion happened was right before Jesus was dead, and they were actually observing Passover. And he was with his disciples. It was Passover, and the next day he was going to be crucified. And so we still take part of this meal. And if you've been hanging around our church for a while, sometimes we've done it on Sundays. A lot of times we've done it um, in our shepherding groups, right, where we have meals together in people's homes. We're going to invite you to come and rededicate your life. And we do these two things when we take communion. We confess our sins, but we also profess our faith. So when you hear the words of these confessions, if you're like, that is me, and then you hear the words of the creed, and you're like, I believe that, I need you to know that you need to come up and take and be fed by faith, that God has promises to be with us. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. He promises to strengthen our faith. But if that's not you, don't take that to show off to anybody or under any pressure. But I would just encourage you, like, talk to somebody. If you are interested in becoming a Christian, we would love to pray with you. <laughs> we would love to help you with that. Amen? Let's take a moment. <clears throat> 